Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. There's this weird, unusual amount of people in the crowd that day. Everyone was like bustling around and talking and there's like all this chirping in all these circles of people. And as people are talking, you could hear some people are like excited and there's like these murmurs and you'd see excitement, like hand movements and body gestures. But yet there were these other people who were not. Some people were angry and you could hear the debates starting. The, the anger-filled statements and you would see harsh, brash movements. You'd see all these people at the same time in this crowd, everybody talking It was electric. A large crowd of just this electricity was in the marketplace. And it felt like something was happening. But nobody knew. It was just a conversation. Nobody knew for sure. But what we did know is that there was tension. There's tension between the conversation and a tension as they stood the guard, looked at the guards staring over them. Peering over the tops of the crowd, the guards stood listening to the conversations. As people were talking, a young boy walked in. He was shabby. He was dirty. He he obviously hasn't washed himself for weeks. He came in in drab clothes with his head down. He was hungry. He just wanted something to eat. He came in the marketplace that day because he'd run out of grain and he had to eat something. And so he thought, if I could just make my way through the crowd and nobody notices me, I can get the grain that I need. Today, I can eat. So he puts his head down. He starts walking through the crowd. But somebody noticed him and said, hey, there's one. And they all turned. They started talking. There he is. There he is. There he is. And the crowd started to push in around him. And the young boy just wanted to get food. But the crowd was pushing in so fast and so hard. And they're screaming at him. You're one of them. Tell us what you saw. We know that you were there. We know you're one of the people who saw it. Tell us. The young shepherd boy just looked down. He told this story thousands of times. He's excited about the story, but at the same time, he's tired of people not believing him. So he starts in again. Talks about being terrified. He talks about angels. He talks about this Messiah that was born. And he starts to talk about how peace has come. The crowd starts talking again amongst itself. They start breaking off in circles. See, I told you. I told you the Messiah was born. I told you this is the one that we were talking about in the book of Isaiah. We, the, right, the, the ones before us, all they talked about, blah, 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 loud, louder, louder. And others didn't believe. That's not him. He's not the one. He's not the Messiah. He's not the one that's supposed to come and save us. There's no way that a baby's going to be born is going to save us. No way, not in Bethlehem. No way. He's a nobody. And as the crowds were talking, the Roman soldiers start to hear the conversation about a king coming. And they start to step into the conversations. What are you talking about, this king? There is one king, Caesar. And he starts to break up the crowds. We don't need any upheaval right now. We don't need the Jewish people start to have hope that they can break free from Rome. There's no way. This is the time of Rome. And so the excitement of the circle of the nation of Israel start to talk, the Messiah 
has come. The king has come and he is bringing peace. He is going to free us from Rome. See, the the people didn't understand. There's a misconception about the Messiah that was going to come. And the Messiah was going to come, was going to bring peace. And he was going to be the king. And they all thought, who is this king going to be? What's he going to do? He's going to free us from Rome and rule. At the time when Jesus was born, Rome ruled the land. They were the superpower of the time. And in this time where Rome ruled everything, he, we see this, this little Israel stuck in the middle of this Roman rule. They'd been oppressed. They'd gone through so much. But at the same time, they want to be free. They want to be back to the time of when their great king, King David, was the king, and they ruled. They were the superpower. If we could just get back to that time, everything would be good, and our Messiah is coming to bring us back to that time. The second candle of Advent celebrates peace, and they were looking for peace. The crowds were looking for peace. You're looking for peace. But are we actually looking for who Jesus really is, or are we trying to make him something that he's not? Today, we're going to dig into the scriptures in Isaiah. If you have your Bible with you, your Bible apps, your iPads, anything you use to read the Bible, feel free to read along with me. We'll be in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, a familiar Christmas passage. If you've heard it before, perhaps it'll be your first time. It'll also be up on the screen. This is written from a time of a prophet who gave a prophecy of how God is going to provide a way to bring freedom, but the freedom was misunderstood. The freedom, as we always do in our human ways, we look at it from our human eyes. And this beautiful word that's given to us, given to them years before, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says this, "For, uh, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with a justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now look at it through the lens of being oppressed. As Americans, we don't understand this in our generation. We go back to the early days of when we had the Revolutionary War to break free There was oppression there, but not like the oppression they had because Rome occupied the land. And so when you're in this place of desperation and you're in this place of we are not free, you start to look at things through the lens of your situation. And the scripture was taken through the lens of this is great. This new Messiah is going to come and free us. His government is going to be on his shoulders. Peace is going to reign. He's taking us back to the line of David, David's throne. They start putting all these pieces together and say, this is awesome. The Messiah has come, and he's going to free us from this tyrannical, ridiculous Roman rule, and we will be free again. We will be the mega powers. And when we do this, now our God will be heard throughout the world. But the difference here is that this wasn't written for that time to be seen through Roman eyes. This was a scripture written to give hope to all of humanity. But you can understand, I I get it. I can see when you start looking at this and say, okay, you're talking about governments and peace and David's throne, it makes sense. But maybe what you don't know is the story of Christmas is often glossed over with cuteness and lights and beauty. The time of Christmas when Jesus was born was terrible. 
It was a terrible time to be born. It was rough. It was chaotic. There was terrible things happening. In this book, Philip Jenkins writes this, in the most violent year, the world in which Jesus was born, he says this. The birth occurred during a near and truly dreadful time in the history of what was already a troubled and turbulent land. The time of Jesus, the political tension, the religious tension, the sociological tension, there was so much tension. It was like if you had one little spark would explode. It was not a good time. In walks Jesus. Like, we don't understand in the middle of the pandemic, we're like, this is a terrible time. It is terrible. It's not this kind of terrible. This kind of terrible is really terrible. Matthew 2, 1 through 5. Maybe you skipped this part in the story of Jesus and Christmas. Matthew 2, 1 through 5 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Catch that word right there. He was disturbed with the fact that this was happening in all of Jerusalem. It wasn't like, this is awesome. They're like, what is going on? And we keep reading on with this. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they reply. So he brings all of his key people and say, okay, what is going on? They knew the prophecy. They knew the scriptures. They knew that the king was supposed to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. And so the, this happens. And so the angels skip forward in the story, appear to the wise men, to the magi. They appear to Joseph and say, don't go back to Herod. He's going to kill him. So this whole thing is a plot to murder the Messiah. Now, would you want to kill the one who's going to save you and fix the relationship with God? Or are you going to kill somebody who's going to take your throne from you? This wasn't a, oh, we're so excited, I'm going to be freed from my sins. This was, this guy's coming to take over this government, and I'm not going to give up my throne. So I'm going to to snipe him. Now, does it make sense if you were excited to kill somebody? This is how much he wanted him killed, Matthew 2.16. When Herod Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Great king. Super awesome. Like, I totally vote for him four more years. So (laughs) here you've got Herod who says, okay, Magi, he learns from them that this thing has been going on for several years. The star appeared. They've been following the star and it rests at a place, and so they don't know the exact time frame of when was this Jesus born, but he knows there's a two-year time frame of when this king was born. So within this two-year time frame, he wants this kid dead so bad, he decides to wipe out an entire group of his own people so that there's no way this kid can survive. Now, all of you moms right there, right now, just think about this for a second. Just because you lived in an area Someone takes a decree from the government and wipes out your firstborn if it's one or two years old. Could you imagine the wailing, the weeping? Could you imagine the brokenness of a group of people for no reason other than knock, 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 where's your son? Screaming, the terror. 
Can you imagine what it would be like to be in this little town, to have your son ripped from you, murdered, and genocide? That is the time when Jesus was born. That this happened, and it wasn't even stopped. Think about that. Jesus came during a tumultuous, terrible time, and this one's going to bring peace. So maybe this king's going to stop this. Maybe this king is going to take over everything. So no more Herod, no more Caesar, no more Rome. We're just going to have a king who's going to rule over us and give us an awesome life. Like this magi, they went to go visit this new baby king, but the baby king is going to grow up, and maybe this baby king, maybe this baby king is going to be so different than the rest that he's going to give us everything we want. He is going to provide. We're going to be rich. We're going to live. It's going to be awesome. You can understand the confusion. Because you take you fast forward, like that was when Jesus was young. Fast forward in his ministry, that whole group of children are still gone. Those mothers and fathers still remember. There's something going on in this town that's not good. And we look back to say, okay, Jesus, why is this happening? Many times, and I think we do this too, I don't want to just pick on the people of old. I just want to pick on us as humans. Don't you kind of just manufacture Jesus into what you want him to be to fit your needs? Like the Jesus that you've created potentially in your mind, and maybe you haven't, maybe you're new to the faith and you're processing this, and you think about God and say, okay, well, to me, God is like, and you start to tell stories. God just just loves everything and everybody no matter what. And God is like, like a genie in a bottle. I can rub it and say, hey, help me get an A on my test, even though I didn't study. You know, like, like we start to manufacture a Jesus that we want. Jesus, if you just give me what I want, then I'll worship you. If you get me through this, I swear I'll go to church every Sunday, which I know is not true. You too at home. Like, I know this isn't true. Like, we make promises and we start to manufacture a Jesus. But back then, they were doing the same thing with this Messiah. And when you take it through this concept, week gets really messy really quick. And this is why I say week after week, friends, read the Bible. Read the Word of God. Let's not manufacture a Jesus we want. Let's learn about the one that is. Because when Jesus came, he wasn't coming for politics. He wasn't coming for a social place. He wasn't coming to get more money to Israel. He was coming to bring peace or shalom. Now, shalom, if you haven't heard that word before, is a Hebrew word. It means wholeness, completeness, soundness, contentment. I'm good. That I'm good doesn't come from being human. This peace that Jesus was bringing is now going to create a broken relationship with God, and he's going to fix it because we created the problem. Jesus creates the answer, and now we are in right standing with God when we call on him. That shalom, I am at peace with God. When I have Jesus as my Savior, when I call on him as my king, when I give my life to him, I understand and experience shalom, which is peace. But understand it doesn't give you a comfortable life. It's kind of hard when you talk about peace and God and shalom and start to think, well, why is my life so messed up, Jason? Pastor Jason, you'd understand. My life is way more messed up than anybody else in this room, in which I say, I know a lot of people in the room. I know my friends are online. I've seen enough people. Everybody's messed up, including you. We're all messed up. We all go through hardships. We all go through pain. We all go through struggles. So what does it mean 
when you say shalom. This is what it does not mean. It does not mean comfortable. If you believe following Jesus is going to give you a comfortable life, an easier life, you're misunderstanding just like the Israelites did. If you believe that Jesus in your life is going to give you what you want and what you desire, you're misunderstanding. Because Jesus could have given us a different message. Follow me and I'll make your life easy. That's not the message because think of how convoluted that is. But I'm going to be honest, there are churches and some leaders that preach that message. They'll say the message, if you follow God, he will give you what you want. You will get money, wealth, you'll get that girlfriend. If you give us money, I'll give you this prayer hanky. You can use this. All your prayers will be answered. All these things are happening out here inside of our world where we're using God as some manipulative genie to give us what us want. And that is not the God of the universe. That is not what Jesus came to say. Friends, if you've been caught in that or believe that, friends, the Bible never says that God's going to give you everything you want. He's a good father. Every good father knows you don't give your kids everything they want because kids are dumb. I'm dumb. As a kid, I ask God for stupid things. I'm like, God, like, could you just do this? He's like, Jason, that's a terrible idea. You don't want that, right? Like, he's a good father. He says no to some of my requests. He is a good father. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you what you desire because what you desire is not good. Only God knows what is good. And so what God does is he flips the script and does something amazing with us. But understand this, following Jesus, giving your life to him does not make things easier. If you're a teenager and you're wrestling and you're starting to work through faith, I remember as a teen I wrestled with this, like, I thought, like, wait, following Jesus, like, it's harder. Like, this isn't easier. That's harder. Like, I have to work really hard at being humble when I want to be prideful. I have to work really hard at trying to be transformed into Jesus' image instead of just doing, like, saying, oh, everything's great. It is a lifelong process that's good. And this is what Jesus says in John 16, and later in his ministry, I've told you these things so that, in fact, you may have peace. There's that word, peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. If you ever have a question, if following Jesus is going to answer all your genie prayers, there's the word from the scriptures. It's not true. He says, it's going to be hard, but now I'm with you. The peace that Jesus gives us is that he is with us. When you read the scriptures, you see the prophets and the people of the scriptures. They go through testing. They go through waiting. They go through persecution. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my word, that looks so hard. I could never endure what they endured. And you see this, but then you see the outcome of a life that's transformed when they start to engage their life with God. God is not your genie. He's not your bank account. He's not your personal assistant. Our God right now holds stars in his hands yet cares about you. Our God is bigger and greater and stronger than our little minds could ever imagine, yet he cares about everything that you need. At the same time, I say he's not your genie. He provides and cares for everything you need. Isn't this better than the God that we make up? Here's the problem when we start to think of God in the sense that he's my genie, or in other words, my God, what I get from him is better. It's cheap. It's a cheap replacement from the God that really is. Because with our true God, when we experience the hardships 
Those who've been through hardships understand it can make you stronger, makes you wiser. You start to build characteristics and priorities of Jesus if that is the direction you want to go. Because of Christ in our life now, we have a promise of Christmas that's better than anything I could offer you right now. It's better than overthrowing the government. It's better than getting money. It's better than all the things that Israel thought. God is with us. Emmanuel. God is with us. God is here. God is with us. I've heard that my whole life. I've heard it a hundred times. And I want to take a different perspective a little bit because I had no idea what that really meant. Like, God's with us. Like, what does that mean? Like, practically, how am I at all transformed by the fact that God is with us? We have to flip our perspective. Jesus came. He changed everything. He fixed a broken relationship with God. And so now our relationship with God can be healed if we just understand that we can't save ourselves. That's the beauty of the gospel. God so loved us. He sent his son. He took our punishment and our crime. It's very simplistic. It's very clear in the scriptures. That means now through Jesus, we move from outside of God's family to inside of God's family. Inside of God's family now, everything now changes. Those who have Christ as their savior, everything is different than those who don't. We may walk and wear the same clothes and go to the same stores, but everything's different. This is what changes. Our future is now secure. My future's secure. Like, I know where I'm going when I die because of God's promise. If I get to heaven and God's like, why should I let you into my heaven? Which I don't think you really asked that question, but it's a fun question to ask when you're on a subway or something. But, you know, why should I let you into heaven? The answer is you shouldn't. I, I, you shouldn't let me in. All I have is your promise, and you promise that those calling the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And I did that, and I'm trusting your promise. I am not good enough to get there. That's the correct answer if someone asked you, by the way. But, side note, <laughs> security. You now have security. You, you have security in the fact that you are loved, secured, you're a child of God. There's another thing that shifts, your purpose. Your purpose now shifts from myself to others. The purpose of my, now, my life now takes on the mission of God, which isn't about Jason, it's about the world. And so now my purpose shifts, and I'm part of an, e an eternal family that's both local and global, that we are on mission together to bring love and peace into the world. My whole purpose of living shifts. My self-identity shifts. My self-esteem shifts. When I understand and embrace the gospel, everything starts to shift because now I see my purpose is completely different. My perspective shifts. My, pers my perspective moves to peace and shalom. In all situations, because God is with me, I can stand strong. Through pain, through suffering, through the waves of life, through pandemics, I stand shalom. Have you ever met anybody like this in their faith walk is shalom? Like just a rock? Like you met this amazing woman, like, like all the world's blowing down around her, and she's like, I trust in the king. He's got this. They have this peace, this shalom about them. Or that one guy that one time when maybe at your work or your neighbor and things were just going just sideways and you've got this. God is with you. That's shalom. Now, if Jesus came to overthrow Rome, I'm disappointed. Jesus came to bring us God with us, eternal, eternal uh, security, purpose, 
We have a fact that if we call on Jesus, we're saved. We have a new purpose to be on mission with him. Our perspective shifts that through terrible things, I'm cool because God is in control. Totally different story. And many of us in our faith walks have not embraced the idea of peace and shalom. And you know what the number one catalyst for anti-peace, the peace killer, is anxiety. All of us that have struggled with anxiety, anxiety is at its highest of all time. Prescriptions for anxiety are through the roof. Anxiety now blossomed into a full-blown pandemic because of a pandemic. Anxiety is a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come. I am afraid of what the future is bringing. I'm afraid what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm afraid of who I'm going to marry. I'm afraid if I get kicked out. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And anxiety, if, you, if it overtakes you, cripples you to the point of that you actually can't even function anymore. Peace says the opposite. I'm cool with what happens in the future. My king's got it. I don't know what the future brings. I trust in my king. Peace and shalom, what God offered and brings to us, is completely different than anxiety. The greatest fuel to anxiety is that you come to a place that you are not in control. So all of you friends right now who are saying, Jason, I struggle with anxiety, I'm going to share with you a little bit. So do I. So do I. I struggle with the fact that I'm not in control. I try to control things, and I try to lead, talk, push my way through so that I'm in control. I'll come into a room, I got all the answers for this, and I'm the one in control, blah, blah, blah. And because that's my anxiety, I want to be in control. And the truth of the matter is, friends, I'm in control of nothing and neither are you. The king of the universe is in control. And when I start to look at my part in the play versus trying to run the play, it looks differently. When I say, God, you're in control, I want to do what you want me to do, what's my next step? Or, hey, God, I don't need your advice. I'm in control of everything. You can't change my life. We live in that place of fear because we don't trust in shalom. If you're a Christ follower, I just want you to think and pause for just a few seconds. Is your anxiety driving your thoughts or shalom? Do you trust him? Like, do you really trust this God? Because when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he wasn't what they wanted. He brought us something greater than we could ever imagine in bringing us a right relationship with God. Peace with God and now peace in life. Jesus brought us something huge, better than any political overthrow or anything that they dreamed of. He brought us back to God with us. We are not in control. Let's stop pretending like we are. At that point, not even death scares you anymore. Because what's the purpose? My life, we say our days are counted by God. We, tr- we believe that maybe in our heads, yet we're afraid. We understand and that we know that God has a plan in the future for us. We'll quote Bible verses and say, I know you have a plan for me. And we'll talk about all these wonderful things, but at the same time, we try to grip onto our lives and to the steering wheel as hard as we can, saying that, God, but you don't understand. If I let go, I'm going to die. That's anxiety. That's not shalom. You can be free because of what Jesus has done. He was a jailer who set the captives free both eternally, for eternity, and for now. This is the beauty of shalom. The peace that we have is available through Christ. But I've never heard anybody talk about it. Just said, oh, God's with you. Like, okay, like, yay, I'm still scared. You have to rethink and re-understand 
what God has done for us. God has given us an available time and place to let go and know you're okay. Now, I have done this a lot recently. You don't church plant without experiencing some shalom. There's a whole lot of chaos happening all the time. This is what I found. When I trust and let go, I have joy. When I try to have control, I have anxiety. When I let go, I'm happy. When I hold on, I'm depressed. Is this ringing with any of you guys? These two things are in conflict with each other. And I start to just say, ah, it's all good. I trust the king. I'm going to work hard. Now, everybody who's lazy in here, I didn't say you could be lazy. I didn't say that now. Like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Like, don't study. God will give me an A. That's not what I'm saying, right? <laughs> we do our part. What I'm saying is we let go of trying to control. We let go because God is in control. I love this verse in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, there's that word again, peace of God. You've probably read this verse if you're a Bible person, you've read this a hundred times. The peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This type of prayer says, I'm not in control anyways, so God, here's everything like I really need you to do something about. I trust you. We're cool. It's done. Can you imagine praying like that? I don't pray like that. I'm like, God, I'm like all scared. I'm like, what about this? And God, God, you didn't do this. And God, you didn't do that. Like, what a good father that he doesn't just smite me because I'm annoying. I'm an annoying kid. Like, I don't obey him. I don't listen to him. I go left. I go right. I struggle. I get scared. And, but what a good, good father that he says, Jason, I got you. Trust me. And I keep going to that place of prayer. And my prayer life has been developing over the years to say, okay, man, you've got this. Peace or anxiety? Peace is greater than we can ever imagine. In the middle of the storms, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of losing your job, in the middle of all the tension you have in your classes right now, in the middle of getting cut from your favorite team, do you have Shalom. So here's your shalom test. We're going to give you a test this morning. Three things I just want you to process to say, do you have peace? Or when hardship comes, do you crumble? First one, do you believe that God can provide? Do you believe that God can provide? Like right now, if everything went down, do you believe God can provide? Do you believe that God would put food in your mouth? Do you believe that God can give you what you need? Do you believe that God can provide? If you lose everything, do you believe that God can provide? Do you have this faith in the king so strong like, we're cool. So now all of your things, you let go because God can provide. I don't have to hold on or have control. I let go because God can provide. Secondly, do you believe that God has a plan? God has a plan. I've been through a lot of hardships and things I don't wish on you nor my worst enemies because I got to love them. We learned that in the last series. And I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I've said this at the same time. I wouldn't give it up for anything because I'm not, I'm not who I am today if I didn't go through it. If I didn't experience that, I would not be able to connect 
and understand and be with people who go through hardships. Those hardships transformed me. And I say, okay, God, this terrible thing came in, and I'm trusting there's some plan that you're going to spin it the other way, and it's going to be for your kingdom and for your glory. I trust that there's some plan that you have that's greater than my little pea mind can understand. When you believe he has a plan, things change. Do you believe that God has a purpose for you? That there is more than you simply eating, sleeping, going to work, putting up Christmas lights, repeat. Like there's a bigger purpose for you that in God's kingdom, you are a part of the command to go and make disciples that make disciples. You are part of God's plan to transform the community and the world. You are part of something bigger that God has a purpose for you that is unbelievable. You're his child. You are loved. You're a son and a daughter of the king, and he has a place for you. He has a purpose. If you believe, just think about, if you answered yes, which I'm sure many of you did, I believe it, but do you live it? Do you live like God can provide? Do you live like God has a plan? Do you live like God has a purpose for you? Because when you believe and live, you find shalom. Friends, I go in and out of this all the time. There are times I'm like, rock star, super shalom. And the other times I'm like, I'm a terrible, I can't stand this, so much anxiety. And I get to that place and like a good father, I'm sitting there. It's just like, and this is just my mind picture. I, I just... I think Jesus just kind of hugs me. That's how I picture it. Like, calm down. <laughs> it's okay. I got this. What are you afraid of, Jason? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? I've conquered death. I brought shalom. What are you afraid of? Not eating? I told you I'll take care of you. What are you afraid of? Being a failure? You're not a failure to me. What are you afraid of, Jason? And when I start to look at those things, through what the Bible teaches and the truth I have in scriptures, I start to say, God, thank you. Jesus, thank you that at Christmas time, you did not come to overthrow government. Thank you that you brought wholeness, completeness, soundness, and contentment. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us shalom. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.